Hawkeye Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Monday afternoon. Uh, just doing a little quick update podcast. Uh, I'll try to do this uh, more often than not, uh, kind of in between my instant reaction on Saturday, my opposition research podcast, which I'll do uh, looking ahead to the Penn State game in depth on Wednesday, my Hawkeye Nation radio show with Joe Schmelka on Thursday, and all the other cool stuff we have going on at HawkeyeNation.com. But uh, any news and notes that have come out uh, since we talked on on Saturday, and also as I kind of you know take another look at the game and and anything I may have missed uh, in my kind of instant reaction uh, after the the players talk and the the coaches talk, and we learn a little bit more. We've got a little bit more distance, a little forty eight hour distance between the end of that game and where we are right now. So this won't be long, uh, but hopefully it'll be informative or at least a little bit entertaining. Uh, to you to wrap up a few things from last week. You know, I never talked about in the instant reaction podcast. I went back and and checked and I never talked about the safety on the, the punt block for Iowa and just kind of the, the role that special teams play uh, played in that game, Torrey Taylor's punting and and the downing the ball inside the five, a couple of times, and then how that transitions to, you know, I mean, you down the punt at the one, you get a three and out, now they're punting from their own end zone. Even if you don't block it for a safety, you're kicking it to Cooper DeGene, who's got some room. He gets you down to the 25. Boom, you get the touchdown. That's how punting is winning, right? That's how punting and special teams turns to offense. And uh, and we saw that against Western Michigan. We're going to need to keep seeing that uh, as we move forward because as we've learned over the last, oh, 25 years or so, that's how Kirk Ferentz likes to win games. That's how he is able to win games. That's why he wins so much. Uh, 201 now for him career and um and so yeah I just kind of was remiss to not mention that uh as you know with so much scoring in that game which is a rare thing to say for Iowa uh that safety uh kind of got lost in the shuffle especially because because of the two point conversion that Iowa had on the on its following touchdown uh it wasn't a weird score right it wasn't 33 to 10 it wasn't 29 to 10 if it's one of those you you look at that and say oh but um, so I, I missed that. That's that's my bad. Not that I missed that it happened. I just didn't mention it in the Instant Reaction podcast, which if you missed, I recommend you go back and listen to. I enjoy doing those. Uh, but yeah, the special teams play has been great. Obviously, Drew Stevens missed a kick, but um, that's okay. You can miss one in one in you know in our non conference games. Uh, you can't miss one this weekend at Happy Valley because every point's going to count. It's going to be a really, really important game, as I've mentioned in the Instant Reaction podcast. Uh, also, just quickly, uh, probably not something I would have touched on in the Instant Reaction, uh, but uh, that Caitlin Clark halftime thing was was pretty cool. Uh, the band forming the the Caitlin Clark and the hoop and the basketball and the shot uh, was very cool. Good on the Iowa band. Uh, they do such a good job. They're, they, I, I'm just such a big fan of theirs and everything they do. Uh, it was so much fun to bring my kids to their their first game. Uh, in week one against Utah State, and that was one of the big things that they loved was you know watching the band run out on the field, uh, the way that they do that, then you know forming the words, the Iowa and Hawks and all that, and, and playing the songs, and uh, they just do such a great job. So that that was a lot of fun. Iowa's depth chart came out today, and uh, to no surprise. It does not include Luke Lachey, tight end, all-world tight end, who uh, who had a gruesome injury on Saturday. We haven't gotten an official update, but I don't expect him a to be available for this week. Obviously, against Penn State, but uh, it you know at least the way it looked. And I'm not a doctor. I don't play one. I didn't stay in a Holiday Inn 
None of that. Um, it looked like he's going to be out probably for the season. Um, and that's that's a damn shame for him. It's a real shame for this offense uh, and the role that he had played and would continue to play in this offense. It's obviously a big hit going into the biggest game of the season this weekend. Uh, you know, and, and I did mention this in, in my last podcast. It's easy to kind of go to, well, we have a lot of depth there. And, and I think we do. Eric Hall is fantastic. Uh, some of the other players are, are you know, able to step up now and, and show what they have. But um, we're learning with this Noah Shannon thing that even at the positions you're deepest, there's a reason those guys are at the top of the depth chart. There's a reason they're starters. There's a reason they've been in this program for this long. They are better. They do improve your chances to win. So even if you have a good tight end uh, behind them, even if you have a good defensive line rotation behind them, it does impact you. It does hurt you to lose those players. And uh, I think we're seeing that to some degree with Noah Shannon on that defensive line. And I think we're going to see that uh, for the rest of the season or for however long Luke Lachey is unavailable. Uh, Eric All again, is very good. And and, and I'm, I'm confident that Iowa's tight ends uh, will do well, but... Uh, they won't do as well as they would have had he still been around. And then you you wonder what happens to him. Uh, what what does he decide to do? What does this look like for him? You know, I would I would venture to guess that this will hurt his draft position ultimately, just because he won't have this season of of stats and highlights and all that to to be talked up again. Assuming he's not going to come back, um, because I did think I think we all probably uh, envisioned a scenario in which. He went to the NFL after this season and was probably a a pretty high pick, if not a first rounder, a first couple rounder, uh, first couple day pick in in the NFL draft because that's what Iowa tight ends do. And uh, with what Sam Laporta is doing with Detroit, uh, with what George Kittle is doing, uh, you know, you can go on and on. T.J. Hawkinson, the highest paid tight end in the game. Uh, Noah Fant, who played alongside T.J., is, is a starting tight end in the NFL. I mean. Uh, the history of Iowa tight ends in the NFL is is a great one. And Luke Lachey will be a part of that history. The question is, will it be after this season or will he stick around, uh, try to put up another great season of Hawkeye football before making that jump to the NFL? I believe he'd be eligible for uh, a medical redshirt if he decides to go that route. I know he's only a junior, uh, so he wouldn't necessarily need to. And uh, it'll just be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. I do feel so bad for him, and it is a big, big loss uh, for this Iowa team. Also on the depth chart today, Caleb Johnson, not there. He was out. Uh, we we knew he was hobbled in that uh, Iowa State game where Jazz Patterson had the big game. He didn't uh, play. He didn't dress in this game against Western Michigan uh, where LaShawn Williams had the big game. And so Caleb Johnson, it's an ankle thing. And, and again, we'll probably get some level of an update uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, as Kirk Ferentz takes the podium to talk to the press. I'm sure he'll update Luke Lachey. I'm sure he'll update Caleb Johnson uh, and, you know, just hope that that's uh, not the dreaded high ankle sprain, but also something he can come back from fairly quickly because, again, high hopes for him coming into this season. And uh, while we like the depth we're seeing right now with running back, it's also been in in the non-conference and things are going to get a lot different when you go into the Big Ten. And uh, as we all know, you can't have too many running backs on a roster. Because these guys can can get hurt quickly, and uh, and that's bad. Speaking of Jazz Patterson, who was dinged up in this game against Western Michigan, he also is not on the depth chart for this Penn State game. Now, 
those of us who have been following this for a long time, I'm sure you feel the same way. You don't really put a lot of faith into these depth charts uh, that come out, you know, almost a week before the game. Uh, is this more a measure of who did and didn't finish the game on uh, in, in week three? Or is this a measure of what they expect to be the case in week four? It's hard to know. Uh, but right now, all we have is that depth chart uh, to go off of. And so we will learn more Tuesday afternoon uh, when Kirk Ferentz uh, meets the media and hopefully gives us some level and update on all of these things. Lastly, we'll touch on just a couple of headlines. Uh, Iowa up to 24th in the AP poll, up one spot. Uh, started the season at 25th, dropped out after the win over Utah State, back to 25 after the win over uh, Iowa State. And now up to 24, uh, you know, ratings, rankings don't matter all that much, but it is nice to see that little number next to you. And it's, it's easier to climb up the rankings when you've already been in them. And so, you know, who knows what happens this week, but if you give, if you give Penn state, who's ranked seventh in this AP poll, if you give them a good game, even if you lose, if you, if it's close at the end, if, if you, uh, if you comport yourself well in this game, I could see a scenario in which you don't fall out of the ratings rankings. Uh, especially depending on what happens around you, other teams are going to lose. Um, but uh, and obviously, a win against Penn State would would fly you up those rankings pretty quickly. Uh, if you'd be four and zero with a win at Penn State, uh, the Michigan State game in two weeks or just under two weeks, the next home game for the Hawkeyes on September thirtieth uh, has been announced as an official six o'clock kick, and it has been moved off the Peacock app. We are we've been flexed out of the app. And on to NBC, so you'll be able to see that. Now that NBC uh, locally here in Des Moines has figured out their stuff with DirecTV, everybody will be able to see this game on national TV, on NBC. That'll be two weeks in a row where Iowa is nationally televised in prime time, including this game, uh, this week's game at Penn State. And then at home, under the lights, at good old Kinnick Stadium on NBC uh, for this game against Michigan State. Michigan State will do so without Mel Tucker. We knew that was going to be the case already because he had been suspended, but uh, it came out this afternoon that Michigan State has begun the process of firing Mel Tucker for cause uh, for just the, the I mean, calling them calling his actions stupid, uh, his alleged actions, I guess, calling them stupid or dumb feels way, way, way too small for what it actually is. Um it's horrific. It's it's disgusting. Uh, it's also one of the dumbest things anybody's ever done uh, to to put a seventy million dollar you know left on his contract in jeopardy, uh, put his his life and his his relationship and all of that in jeopardy um, for something as dumb as this is. It just shows a severe lack of judgment. Um, but God, it's you know <laughs> the the story of human history uh, can be told by the story of men thinking with uh, their wrong head. Uh, so that's what Mel Tucker has going on. And uh, and Mark D'Antonio will bring the uh, the Spartans to Kinnick Stadium. It's going to be an interesting game. We'll see how they fare after losing their head coach. And we'll see how Iowa does coming back off of this Penn State game. So again, a quick look ahead to this Penn State game, which I just cannot say, I cannot put it into words how big this game is. Uh, it's 6.30 on CBS. That's going to be a lot of fun to see. Um, and Penn State looks good. They look very good. They're seventh ranked in the country. They're three and zero. They're coming off a win at Illinois, an Illinois team that isn't as good as I think a lot of us thought they were going to be, and a thirty to thirteen win that probably isn't as good when you dive into it as it may appear on paper. Uh, 
Penn State had five takeaways in this game, and a lot of those led to their points. Just looking through this, uh, the the play by play um, summary of this game at Illinois on Saturday, Illinois missed an opening field goal. Uh, then they fumble the ball that leads to a, a Penn State field goal. Throw a pick that leads to a Penn State field goal. Throw another pick that leads to a Penn State touchdown. Penn State misses a field goal of their own in the second quarter before giving up a touchdown to in Illinois, and then a, a Penn State field goal before the end of the half wraps up the score in 16-7 at the break there. Illinois throws another pick in the third quarter. Uh, then they throw another pick that leads to a touchdown after giving up a touchdown. Uh, so five interceptions, including or four interceptions, five turnovers for Illinois. So it feels like this game could have been a heck of a lot closer, and this isn't a world-beating Illinois team. So that... That does give you a little bit of glimmer of hope. I think if you're looking for a silver lining for this uh, this matchup for Iowa, it's certainly that uh, Penn State didn't look fantastic in their game against Illinois. Now they they cruise past West Virginia in the opener and put up 63 on Delaware in the second game, but uh, this will be their biggest challenge as well. Now they're at home in a whiteout. Uh, they're going to be ready for it, and you know they're going to be ready for Iowa. Uh, com- considering how this series has gone uh, as of late, um, these have been just big games. They've been close games for the most part. Uh, Iowa has had their number the last couple of games. Uh, Iowa's won the last two. The last one back in 2021, that huge top five matchup uh, in Kinnick Stadium where the Hawkeyes got the huge win, and it you know was maybe the, the last great thing that Spencer Petras did as, as Iowa's starting quarterback. Um, and then the 2020 game wasn't all that close, uh, 41-21 Iowa. Before that, I mean, it was seventeen to twelve, thirty to twenty four, twenty one to nineteen, forty one to fourteen, and twenty sixteen was that blowout right before Iowa went on to win that Michigan game. But um, you know, other than that twenty twenty game, you've had what four of the last five that have been pretty close, uh, big games. It's going to be interesting. I want to talk to uh, Ben Jones, who covers Penn State this week, and kind of get get his gauge on how Penn State fans feel about Iowa. Obviously, Iowa has a bunch of rivalries. Penn State doesn't. Um, but this this feels like a rivalry on field and has for a long time. And it got heated after the last game when, you know, Iowa fans and maybe Iowa coaches and maybe Iowa media kind of intimated that possibly Penn State players were uh, faking injuries to kind of slow things down late in that game. And James Franklin took real exception to that. He was not happy. Uh, he went out in his midweek press conference the following week and talked about it. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of how they feel about Iowa now. Uh, and, you know, it, does this feel like just a bump in the road as you're out in the east and you've still got Ohio State and Michigan on your schedule? Or does this feel like a big game? Obviously, it's it's their whiteout game, so it's big in that sense. But uh, how do they feel about this game? How should Iowa fans feel about it? I don't know. I, I think I saw the opening line be about uh, 14 uh, points. I think... I would I would like Iowa in that scenario. I don't like Iowa to win this game. I feel less confident about it than I did in the summer. Uh, but certainly Iowa has an opportunity to go in and win this game and, and muddy things up and, and play well on special teams. You can't miss field goals. You can't uh, have mistakes. You can't turn the ball over. You need to capitalize on turnovers. You can't get penalized yourself. You need to cause penalties for the other team uh, for Penn State. and uh, And all those things have to go your way. And even then... You may not be able to win this game, but that's the only way to give yourself a chance. And then the biggest thing is it's it's time to go. It's time for Cade McNamara and this offense to go. This is why we brought him in. 
This is the whole point. It's not to win these first three games, and it's not to win eight games in a season, right? Because we could do that with Spencer Petras. We could do that with Nate Stanley. Uh, we've shown as a as a program that with an elite defense and elite special teams, we can beat just about anybody. We can't beat the great teams. We haven't been able to. It's been years, and now is the time. This is why we brought Cade McNamara here for this game, for games like this. It's not to beat up on Western Michigan or to get through the Cyhawk game. It's to win at Penn State. It's to go in there with some swagger, to throw the ball down the field, to open this offense up a little bit, to get these wide receivers far more involved than they have been, and to uh, to win a game like this, to show the country that you're capable of winning a game like this, to show people that uh, who who consider Iowa and, the, and this offense a national joke, to show them, you know, Cade, one of the first things he said was, keep doubting Iowa's offense. We want to prove you wrong. Well, now's the time to prove everybody wrong. And it hasn't been great up till now, and there's a lot of excuses for that. There's a lot of reasons for that, and I understand all of them. And I, I've, I've, I've talked about them on this podcast and on my radio shows, and uh, I understand all of it. I, I get the context of all of this. Throw all of that out. It's time to go. It's now or never. Because if you don't win this game, if you don't win this game, that that's one thing. If you don't compete in this game, if you don't show that you are capable of winning a game like this, then it's all for nothing. And, and Iowa fans, this is all going to start to fall apart, and it won't matter how many Big Ten West games we win, and it won't matter how good we look against the Minnesotas and the Illinois and the Northwesterns and the Nebraskas of the world because we will all know that come Indianapolis in December, we don't have a chance, and that can't happen anymore. That's why we brought Cade McNamara in. That's why we've given Brian Ferentz another chance here. This needs to go now. It's, the, 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 the preseason is over. It's time to go. It's 6.30 Saturday night, a whiteout in Happy Valley. It's time to go. You got a top 10 team on the schedule. Go kick their ass. That's where I'm at. How you doing? Let me know. Follow us on Hawkeye Nation at HawkeyeNation.com. Wherever you get your podcast, search for Hawkeye Nation and give us a subscribe. Hey, give me a rate. Give me a thumbs up. Let me know how things are going. Let me know you're listening. I love it, Hawkeye Nation. I love being a part of this. This is a lot of fun for me. And uh, I appreciate you listening. We're going to have opposition research coming up this week, as I said, and and got everything covered uh, tomorrow from the press conferences uh, with Rob Howe from Hawkeye Nation uh, with video and transcripts and all that good stuff at HawkeyeNation.com. Thank you so much for listening, and go Hawks! 